Bravo lovers, and welcome to another episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. Of course, I am your host, Jared B. So I first wanted to start off with saying hello to my newest listeners, my watchers and subscribers. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Bravo Tea with Jared B. Now, it's been a minute since my last recap episode, and a lot has happened. So before I get into the Bravo news, before I get into my recap of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, The Reunion Part 1, and before I get into my recap of The Real Housewives of New York City, let's rewind a bit. That was a terrible rewind. (laughs) So on Saturday night, August 26th, I got a notification on my iPhone, and I saw that it was Rachel slash Raquel Levis, and she commented on my Instagram reel about her interview with Bethany Frankel that was posted about two weeks prior to when Rachel commented. So in this comment, she acknowledged my criticism of her and took ownership of her behavior on Vanderpump Rules. And honestly, it was the kind of response that most of us were hoping for in her interview with Bethany Frankel. Now, I had to look at my phone multiple times because I was like, I know she didn't really message me. Or I know she didn't really comment on my Instagram reel, especially mine. I had no followers at the time, maybe 112, and most of them were my friends and family and some strangers, new listeners to the show. Um, but I was in shocked. But I was like, you know what? Why hate on her when she's already received so much hate? Let me give her some words of encouragement. And that is the comment you saw back from me, wishing her well and just hoping that she takes the time to work on herself for herself and no one else. I also encourage her to travel the world because one thing I know about traveling the world is that really gives you a chance to see who you are, especially if you do solo travel. I took a trip for my 30th birthday last year to Costa Rica for six days by myself, first time in this country, rented a car, and it was the most enlightening trip that I've ever been on. It changed my life. It healed me in some ways. And that is what I want for Rachel. So that is why I responded the way I did to Rachel. Encourage her, show her love. So 24 hours later, everything got crazy. Crazy, excuse me. My friend Caitlin from Besties by Bravo, shout out to Caitlin. Uh, she posted about Rachel's comment that was on my Instagram reel. And from there, everything blew up. Other Bravo accounts posted about it. Many reached out to me. Uh, many of them told their followers to follow me. Like the block was hot. My phone was going off. My Instagram notifications were. It was vibrating every second. So I even had to turn off my Instagram notifications. It was becoming so overwhelming. Um, So then my podcast becomes mentioned in several online publications like Entertainment Tonight Online, Page Six, The Daily Mail, I believe Just Jared, Um, Entertainment Tonight Canada. There were so many places where my podcast was mentioned. A lot of it was like very quick, very swift. And now that it's a little over a week later, no one really cares about me and we're back to normal. (laughs) But I do want to say shout out to all my uh, new followers on Instagram at Bravo T with Jared B. If you are listening and you have not followed me, follow me on that Instagram page. I'm also on Twitter at Bravo T with JB, not Jared B, but JB on uh, Twitter. I'm also on TikTok. And this show is also on YouTube. So subscribe there. And if you were listening, you know, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, any place you listen to your favorite podcasts, make sure that you subscribe, that you download, you leave us some reviews. I greatly appreciate the assistance, the support, the love. Listen, let's take Bravo T with Jared B to the moon. 
okay? And let it not come back down the earth. So before I get to my Bravo news, I have to mention all the Bravo pages that showed me love, support, and boosted my account. I have to, of course, start off with Besties by Bravo, Glorified Gossip Girl, Reality Ops, uh, Bravo Betch, uh, Vicky is Orange, Bravo BFF, Pump Rules, Comment by Bravo, Bravo Snark Side, Bravo with Black Girls, Red and Receipts, and Bravo by Night underscore. Shout out to all of you for all the support, all the love. I greatly appreciate it. It means the world to me, truly. It means the world. So let me take a sip of my water because we're going to get into some Bravo news. So after I went viral, the Real Housewives of Atlanta went viral because B. Scott released an exclusive saying that according to their sources, production made the call to recast the entire show at some point during the taping of season 15 reunion. They went on to say a source close to production tells us that Bravo is beyond thrilled with the reception of the recently rebooted Real Housewives of New York, so they're fully on board with production's decision decision, excuse me, to recast the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Casting for fresh new peaches is already underway. We're told production has been quietly reaching out to managers and agents looking for new girls. There's no interest in bringing back any old faces either, not Portia, not Kim Zosiak. Then a day after that, you know, the flip, the script kind of flipped. Um, the day after that, the Jasmine brand reported that the only peach holders production is interested in for season 16 are Candy Burris, Kenya Moore, and Sheree, she by Sheree Whitfield. Then after that, maybe the next day after that, Bravo released a statement saying that there have been no decisions that have been made with regards to the cast for season 16 of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. So at this point, I'm like, well, what do we believe? It looks like we're just going to have to wait to see what Bravo says, you know, when they announce the cast for season 16 of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Now, personally speaking... I don't think the whole cast needs to be fired. I really don't. I think production needs to start with these four names, okay? And that's Candy, that's Kenya, that's Sheree, and that's Portia. These are my core four, my core four, okay? I need Atlanta to be funny again. I need genuine friendship again. I need real storylines. And so I feel like if you start with the, that core four, Candy, Sheree, Kenya, Portia, and build around that, make, you know, let's get Shamia as a uh, part-time housewife. Like, let's really do the work and test some of these ladies to make sure that we are putting putting together a dynamic cast so we can revitalize one of our favorite franchises, and that is The Real Housewives of Atlanta. I have hope, okay? I have hope, but only time will tell what will happen with The Real Housewives of Atlanta. So let's move on to the next Bravo story that broke the internet, and that's Lindsay and Carl from Summer House ended their engagement and have broken up. On August 31st, Entertainment Tonight broke the official news that Lindsay and Carl called off their engagement. According to Entertainment Tonight Online, the two were set to get married in November, but Carl told Lindsay he couldn't move forward with the wedding. The breakup was filmed and will most likely play out on the next season of Summer House, multiple sources tell entertainment tonight. Now, there's been no word on what has happened, but I was shocked when I heard this news, okay? Now, things were, you know, fluttering around the internets, okay? On Twitter, on um, 
on Instagram, excuse me, I forgot the name of the social media platform. Um, someone actually, shout out to Kaylee, that is the wife of my friend, uh, Brian. She actually sent me uh, a TikTok early in the morning where it was alleged that Lindsay and Carl had broken up the night prior. I did not believe it. I was shocked. And then as the day went on, I'm seeing more and more Bravo accounts, you know, posting memes like, uh, um, what is going down on Summer House? And I was like, oh, okay. Now there's smoke. So there's surely fire. And then, long and behold, Entertainment Tonight <laughs> confirmed the story. Um, listen, like I said, I was shocked to hear that Lindsay and Carl broke up. Um, I was shocked to hear that Carl was the one that ended the engagement. I was shocked to hear that Carl allegedly called production after production had ended on Summer House and told them that he needed to break up with Lindsay. And they filmed it for the next season of Summer House. And I'm like, this is all crazy. And what I found crazy is that Carl had the balls to contact production allegedly and let them know that he needs to call off this engagement with Lindsay. Carl has known for quite some time that maybe this potential marriage or even this potential relationship was not going to work for him. And I say that before I, and I say that because, excuse me, if you are going to call off the engagement with someone that you've been friends with for over 10 years, someone that you have dated once before and then dated again for over a year before you proposed, you did this with someone who you know all she has ever wanted is to get married and have kids. If you decided to call off the engagement at that moment, then you've known for quite some time that you weren't really into this. But I will say, even though I'm being critical of Carl, I have to say, shout out to Carl for calling this off before they walk down the aisle. Okay? Because think about how many couples out there get engaged, get married, one of them or both of them, or they don't even know yet, they don't know that they shouldn't be married. One might feel like uh, this might be a mistake. The other might feel the same way. But then you go through it, go through with it because the money has been spent on the ring. You know, you're planning. You're calling your girlfriends about a bachelorette party. Or the guys are planning the bachelor party. There's talk of venues and flowers and dresses and. Everything is happening. You have family members involved, friends involved. Everyone's congratulating you. So I can see how it would be, it would be difficult to call off an engagement after all that fanfare. But what's more difficult? Going through with it, getting married, and then if you last a couple of years, you end it? When you knew in your gut that maybe this is not what you should have gone through? So I have to say for that, you know, I commend Carl. I commend Carl for doing this before they walk down the aisle. But I'm also looking at you, Carl, with, you know, a side eye. Okay. I'm looking at you like you're a little crazy, but we will see what happens on Summer House because I was rooting for them. I know that Lindsay Hubbard can be Hubbard, Hubbard could be a lot to handle, but I was, like I said, rooting for them. And Lord have mercy, since we have met Lindsay, all she has wanted is to get married and have kids. It's all she's ever wanted for as long as we have known her. And I feel so bad because yet this is another relationship that did not work out. And honestly, I hope that this is not some con contrived fake story put together by production and Lindsay and Carl to have a scandal moment because Summer House does need a moment, okay? Summer House used to be one of those shows and it's dwindled a bit. Last season was okay. You know, most of the drama was involving Danielle, Lindsay, and Carl. So I, I really hope that this is not fake mess for next season of Summer House to get more viewers tuned in. They better not play games with me. And they better not play games with us. Okay? Okay? Bravo lovers, don't play games with us. Okay? <laughs>
Okay, so now we are gonna get into the real Housewives of Atlanta. So this is season 15, episode 17, The Reunion, part one. So I'm, I'm breaking up this reunion episode into segments. So, you know, just bear with me. Um, so, of course, the reunion start with Andy greeting the ladies, and he asks how everyone's doing, and two notable things are pointed out. Sheree was having some breathing issues, so she decided to get a rhinoplasty, and Sanya Richards-Ross is expecting a baby. So I want to say congratulations to Sheree on her new nose and healing those breathing issues. Shout out to God. Hallelujah. And congratulations to Sanya and Ross on expecting their rainbow baby. If you don't know what a rainbow baby is, Google it. Um, so we get to Sheree Whitfield segment, and I have to start off with something that cracked me up, and that was on Candy's show, Speak On It. Uh, Candy and Drew said that Sheree's new face makeup, you know, it's giving Drew, it's giving single black female, and Andy was like, well, you know, that's a compliment, and Sheree, Sheree was like, if I were Drew, I would have been insulted, because that was one of my worst pictures. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, Sheree Shady ass Whitfield. Okay. Okay. And then Andy, of course, asked a shady viewer question about Martel allegedly philandering his way through the streets of Huntsville, Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama, and notices how Sheree said when uh well I notice, please notice, uh, that when Martel uh Oh my gosh, lost my train of thought. Notice how Sheree said when Martell is with her, they have an amazing time. He's very respectful. Uh, but, you know, once he leaves Chateau Sheree, Martell belongs to the streets. Now, Sheree didn't say all of that. I said all of that. And I'm saying that, yes, Martell might be a great human being, uh, a great boyfriend, a great boy toy, a great date when he is in your company, she by Sheree, but when he walks off the property line of Chateau Sheree, he belongs to the streets because that's been the word on the street about Martel. Okay. That's all I got to say about that. Um, and then Sheree says that she decided to take a step back because all the noise that surrounds Martel. But uh, do we honestly believe that Sheree and Martel actually dated? Because in my mind, I always felt like this was a seasonal boyfriend, uh, someone Sheree could say she's dating this season uh, because, you know, he is featured on a couple of episodes and it contributes to her storyline. And also it kind of contributes to his storyline because he's on a different reality show called Love and Marriage Huntsville. So, you know, this created a lot of buzz and a lot of interest, but, you know, based on the ratings, not enough interest uh, because they barely, listen, this show barely broke like 900,000 live viewers. And at one point, this show used to get 4 million live viewers, 4 million, and couldn't even break maybe 900,000. So this is why the Real Housewives of Atlanta needs a little magical dust sprinkled on it. Unless, you know, say our prayers and hope for the best, everyone. Say a little prayer for you. <laughs> Long as I wake up and I put on my makeup. <laughs> Let me get back into the show. So uh, Sheree and Kenya go back and forth about Kenya not having a man. And Sheree says, bring a man next time. <laughs> She was like, bring a man next time. It was such a high pitch, bring a man next time. It really caught my eye and it made me laugh. Like, Sheree can be naturally funny uh, when she is not uh, giving us her rehearsed reads. Uh, and we'll get into that a little later. Um, but things get interesting. And Andy asked Kenya if her divorce from Mark Daly is finalized. And Kenya mentions that Mark filed 
contempt of court charges against Kenya, which I mentioned uh, a couple of ep- episodes uh, ago um, in my Bravo News segment on the show, and how Mark cited that moment this season when Marlo was kicking Kenya's hotel room door saying, Summer, Summer, Kenya, Summer more, <laughs> like, a, like a psychopath, Summer. And uh, so Marla was kicking Kenya's hotel room door in Birmingham. And uh, it was also mentioned, you know, how their daughter Brooklyn was in an unsafe situation. Then we had Marlo respond and she says that she apologizes for Brooklyn being involved in their bullshit. That was Marlo's apology. Now, on a scale of one to 10 in apologies, I would give this a 5.7 because there is an apology there. There is. Somewhere I would have loved, maybe liked Marlo to call Kenya privately uh, when that story came out uh, about, uh, because the story was everywhere, might I add, it was everywhere. But also I would have loved an apology from Marlo in this moment by saying, you know, I apologize for my behavior. I did not know that your daughter was in that room, but regardless of whether she was in there or not, uh, my behavior was wrong. And I sincerely apologize. And I hope that you can find it in your heart to forgive me. That is an apology, Marlo Hampton, not that half ass apology that you gave to Kenya. So then we have a moment Kenya pulls a paper from the couch cushion and hands Andy a paper saying, this is a subpoena for Marlo to appear in court. And then I gasp. I was like, oh, snap, not a subpoena. Then Andy Cohen points out that this subpoena was blank. It wasn't even filled out. And I was like, oh, Lordy. Okay. Oh, Lordy. Because This is when I first started to notice the props and the hijinks uh, that were starting at the reunion. So after this moment, I'm like, okay, did Kenya, an assistant, a producer, go on the www. and Google a subpoena template and not even fill out the information? Like, what was this, okay? (laughs) What on earth was this? And why even go through with this moment if it's not going to be a real moment where Marlo would have been served a real subpoena. This could have been a reunion moment for Kenya Moore, but it fell flat and it fell flat tragically. Because now when Kenya goes on with accusing Marlo of being in contact with Mark Daly, as this was uncovered during the discovery phase of their divorce proceedings, this accusation has less power and less validity in the eyes of us, the viewers, because of that failed and fake subpoena situation. I just got to be honest. Love you, Kenya, but I have to keep it real. Now, I've said this throughout the season that Kenya's storyline has been lacking. Now, I'm not sure if this is because production cut her scenes out and it would have been because it would have been nice to see her discuss these divorce proceedings with Mark Daly because they have been all over the Internet. I have mentioned that in previous episodes of Bravo T with Jared B. Uh, But also, you know, we get a four second clip in this reunion of. Uh, Kenya's new salon here in Atlanta. Then the episode prior, the season finale, we get another clip of Kenya Moore's new salon here in Atlanta. So I'm very confused. Like maybe the rumors are true. Maybe they are phasing Kenya Moore off the show. I don't know what's going on, but I would have loved more from Kenya Moore this season. And maybe Kenya Moore gave us more and maybe it was all edited out. But we will never know, will we? So then we get into Sheree having a strained relationship with uh, paying her bills. Then Sheree deflects this to Candy about not paying her bills. And then Candy says, uh, those designs that we saw on the She by Sheree fashion show were never sold on her website. And then Sheree goes into a tangent about how the floors of Old Lady Gang are greasy and they need to be cleaned. And I'm like, okay, is this it? Is this all you have, Sheree? Um, Is she talking about the seated area of the restaurant? Are those floors greasy? Or is she talking about, you know, where the kitchen is? And because that would make sense 
for the kitchen floor of a restaurant where there is Southern soul food being made for the floors to be a little greasy, as long as it's not, you know, a safety hazard for, you know, the people working behind the kitchen or in the kitchen. Um, But here's the thing. I don't know if Sheree, instead of like saying clean your greasy floors, I don't know because I don't know if you guys knew this, but like maybe a couple of months ago, one of Candy's restaurants failed their health inspection. So like, I'm not sure if that is where Sheree Whitfield was trying to go, but she couldn't remember uh, this possible rehearsed read. So she went for, you know, clean the floors of old lady gang. Like I'm, I'm unsure. Um, Listen, I love Sheree, but Sheree sometimes, oftentimes, uh, can't hold her own in a verbal spar. Uh, Sheree loses her words, and then she starts stuttering, uh, and sometimes she can't complete sentences anymore, and this is when things start to look performative for Sheree, she by Sheree Whitfield. And then I just about died when Candy uh, paid Sheree a compliment by saying, you know, because talking about the work that Sheree has allegedly had done to her face, uh, Candy's like, you know, you look much better. You look much better. And then Candy proceeds to call Sheree a low down, dirty, nothing ass bitch. And I'm like, okay, Candy. Okay. I enjoyed that moment. It came out of nowhere, but you know what? According to Candy, Sheree is a low-down, dirty, nothing-ass bitch. Ding! (laughs) But then this whole spectacle is not even over. Then Sheree hands out pamphlets of She News, a daily or weekly newsletter. And this is the moment where I was like, okay, things are going off the handles. Things are going off the rails. The Real Housewives of Atlanta has officially jumped the shark with the She News moment. Because what is this? What is this? It felt performative. It felt like a spectacle. Like it felt like I was watching the parody of a reality show about the Real Housewives of Atlanta and not the actual Real Housewives of Atlanta. I don't know if you guys agree with me. Let me know in my DMs on Instagram. Let me know how you feel. So then the spectacle continues. Andy asks Sheree if she by Sheree has turned a profit and we find out that it has not. Now, this is common. Sometimes it takes two to three years for a business to turn a profit. So this is not an uncommon thing, excuse me, for new businesses. Uh, But, you know, the problem is, is that Sheree acts like she by Sheree is this massive success. It seems like she kind of spends money like it's this massive, massive success. Remember the uh, the sip and see for her daughter, or her son's daughter, her glam baby was there was no budget. OK, you know, listen. I'm not trying to count Sheree's coins, but, you know, if you uh, have an iffy relationship with paying your bills on time or paying them at all, maybe the cash flow is not flowing. That's all I got to say. So then we move on to Drew Sador's segment. Uh, They touch a little bit on her singing and her acting career, and things then start to focus on Drew kissing LaToya. And I don't even know why this is still being discussed, because I believe Drew and LaToya kissed. I don't care anymore. It really doesn't matter, but I believe they kissed. LaToya has already confirmed this. You can check Twitter for the video, my Twitter at Bravo T with JB, where I tweeted a video of LaToya on Candy Speak On It YouTube show where LaToya did confirm, yes, they did kiss. Okay? Let's be the last time we have to hear about this. Then Drew mentions how Candy questioned if her sister Allison actually dealt with real mental health issues. And Candy explained that uh, she said that because Drew's known to lie and fabricate storylines for the show. And then the other ladies basically confirm that Drew lies about things on the show. And I've had the suspicion about Drew Sador since she first joined the show, what, three, four seasons ago? 
I've said many times on the show that Drew's storyline feels phony, fake, and self-produced. Okay? Fake, phony, and self-produced. And like, I like how Drew knew, allegedly, okay, because Cousin Courtney did say on another show that Drew apparently knew where Ralph was in Tampa the whole time. Ralph did not go missing, disappear, leave her with that in the house with the kids. According to Cousin Courtney, none of that happened. Drew knew where Ralph was the entire time. Or how allegedly Ralph never went to Vegas to be part of the Chocolate City uh, show, the Magic Mike show, uh, but instead Ralph was at a tech conference. So those are allegedly some of the lies that Drew Sedora has been telling us on the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And to me, that's a credible that's a credibility issue. And if you can't be honest about your life on the Real Housewives of Atlanta, you should not have a peach. And you should not be on the Real Housewives of Atlanta. So listen, that's why Drew was not on my list for a possible, you know, cash shakeup for season 16. Because yes, even though Drew Sador has contributed the most when it comes to storyline of this season, her life basically was the storyline for this entire season or the back half of this season. Um, even though she has contributed all of that, that is not enough for me to support her coming back if she's not going to be honest about her life. And even if she came back next season and decided she was going to be honest about her life, I feel like me and some of the viewers are going to be like, we still don't know what's true. Okay, we don't know if this is credible. We can't connect with you if you are allegedly a liar. You know? And all Drew has to say when Candy's calling out her out about being a liar and the other ladies are confirming that she has lied a lot, all Drew can say is, where is the lie? Where is the lie? Can they show me the lie? And Candy says, Drew is a liar and the truth ain't in her. That's a word from Candy. She spoke on it. So then Cousin Courtney and Monietta join the ladies at the reunion, and we find out that Courtney's dad's sister, so her aunt, I guess, is married to Ralph's uncle. So I don't even think that's a second cousin twice removed. Um, at this point, they're acquaintances, uh, and their aunt and uncle happen to be married. And I am wondering, you know, Courtney, allegedly, according to the streets, according to the internets, Cousin Courtney did used to reside in Tampa, and I'm wondering, you know, is this maybe a woman Ralph was seeing when he went to Tampa? I'm not saying Ralph was not up to things in Tampa. I'm just saying that Drew knew he was in Tampa. We just don't know what he was up to in Tampa. And maybe Courtney was in Tampa at the same time, and I, I don't know. I don't know. Allegedly, 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 I'm not alleging anything. So then... We move on to Marlo's segment. And we find out that Marlo and Scott Lee are still dating, even though this feels like another reality show relationship, you know, a relationship for a season. Um, and then we get into Roy, Kenya's man, the Kel Me Crazy, Kel Me Crazy CEO. And they talk about his date or lunch with Marlo. And then the shade assassin, Kenya Summer Moore, says, we know they didn't go out on a date because Marlo's date's in with money being left on a dresser. And everyone's like, ooh, because yeah, that stung. I felt that. Even though like this is a common insult thrown at Marlo Hampton and it's just like a little old at this point, but like the way it was delivered, it stung. And I have to say at, at this point in the game, you know, it's 2013, 2013. It's 2023. So I know at this point, escorts are not just being left cash on a dresser after, you know, a night of fun. Like, you know, there's Cash App, there's Venmo, there's Apple Pay, there's Zelle, there's PayPal. Like, surely, you know, you can send an escort 
money that way instead of just leaving, you know, a couple of hundred or a grand, you know, however much a night of fun cost. I'm not judging. Um, but yeah, and unfortunately, that was pretty much Marlo's segment. Like, you know, here's what I'm confused by. We've had so much tomfoolery in part one of this reunion. We witnessed a, a, a barrage of insult, shade, props, hijinks. But what has not been discussed is what has happened the first half of the season. Maybe the first six episodes were dedicated to Marlo saying that Candy did not support her after Marlo's nephew died. Uh, Marlo somewhat blamed Candy for the death of her nephew because her nephew met uh, this his assailant in Old Lady Gang, one of Candy Burris's restaurants. Uh, Marlo did insinuate that Candy hides things from the cameras and gets uh, she feels like gets preferential treatment with what Candy gets to share on the show. All of that happened during the first half of this season, and that is not what was discussed at all on part one of this reunion. And I just have to question, why? Like, why? Why was all this tomfoolery necessary with the props and the end scene and, like, all of that? And we did not even get to get a discussion about what consisted of the first half of this season. Can someone explain to me? Can Bravo explain to me? Can the Real Housewives of Atlanta explain to me? Can production explain to me? Can, can my listeners, my viewers, can you explain to me? Why was it missing? So then we close out part one of the reunion by discussing this behind the scenes video that was recorded by Monietta Shaw. And I, I don't know if there was any actual resolution to all the upset behind this video because they all are on a reality show. And then Drew and Courtney get into it about what she said about Drew's son when Courtney was not aware that she was still being recorded while filming her confessional. And Drew calls Courtney an unverifiable bitch, which people on social media seem to really enjoy. But I have to say this about cousin Courtney, even though she's not much of a cousin. Um, I stand by the fact that I think that Courtney has the potential to be a great real housewife of Atlanta. That might not be the popular opinion, but that is what I feel. Now, where Courtney lost me was her a bit her inability to take ownership of what she has done or what she has said on this show, especially when she's called out about it, and especially when the shady Bravo editors show us what she did that she's denying. So I feel like the lesson for Courtney is that she needs to stop, stop doubling down on what she's being accused of and own it. Because we, the viewers, like accountability. We might not like you. We not might not F with you. But, like, you know, we respect some sort of accountability. Um, and that's honestly my only critique of Cousin Courtney. Not every one of these ladies are going to be our favorite. Let me repeat myself. Not every one of these ladies are going to be our favorite. It's about what you're capable of doing on camera. And Cousin Courtney proved this season that she's not afraid to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of the best. Whether it's Candy Burris, whether it's Kenya Moore, or whether it's Drew Sedora her soon-to-be former cousin-in-law or second cousin twice removed. I don't know, aunties, aunts, what, uncles, whatever. So let's get into The Real Housewives of New York City. So this is season 14, episode 8, titled Business Classy. 
And it is the holidays in New York City. If you are new to listening to the show or watching the show, I am originally from Long Island, New York, even though I've lived in Atlanta for, I guess, 20 years, maybe a little more. Um, but I love New York. My family's in New York. My family's in New Jersey. And I love New York City during the holidays. It is so festive. Uh, nowadays, there's not much snow during the holidays. But, like, the city, like, comes alive. And all the decorations are beautiful. And so I love New York City during the holidays. Um, but, Sai, you see how I just, like, turned into a child thinking about New York City during the holidays? I'm like, <laughs> But Sai and Uba meet up to go shopping for their trip their trip to Anguilla. Is it Anguilla or Anguilla? I probably should have Googled that. Um, but Sai and Uba sit down for a chat and Sai expresses that although Jenna Lyons gift giving is a great gesture, Sai feels like there are some ulterior motives to Jenna uh, giving Jenna Lyons-centered products and collaborations. Now, I can understand where Sai is coming from just a little bit. Sai thinks that they are given these gifts from Jenna to so they can promote on social media. But my question is, what if Jenna is just trying to create some brand awareness for the show? Or you know, because housewives promote products all the time on this show. Like it's not really such a big deal for me to see a housewife promote their products on these shows. It's just blatantly obvious what Jenna is doing. And maybe Cy doesn't realize like this is the name of the game. And I hate to say it, but Jenna's Bethany-ing the situation. And at least these are not just Jenna Lyons products. These are collaborations with some of her friends, you know, small businesses, possibly. These are businesses, uh, you know, of black and brown women, you know, other minorities, uh, people from other marginalized communities, you know. So let's not just assume Jenna Lyons is giving these gifts solely for her benefit. Okay, Sai, I just need you, you know, to give Jenna a break. And then Sai gets into her spat with Aaron. And I love that Sai told, uh, Uber told Sai immediately that it was shitty of her to leave Aaron's anniversary party. And Sai could have ordered some food, even though, you know, you, you can't really order food to an anniversary party because then someone sees, you know, DoorDash or Uber Eats walking in and people are like, you know, Aaron and Abe is going to be like, well, we paid for food. Who ordered food? So that could have been a situation in itself. So I don't know about that, Uba. But, you know, Sai could have stuck around to at least tell Aaron, thank you for having me. Um, I will see you another time. Um, and I feel that Uba is the kind of friend that we all need in our corner because Uba kept it real with Sai. You know, you shouldn't have left the party. You could have ordered some food. I don't think so. Or you could have eaten beforehand. I said this, maybe I've said this before, but you know, Sai can do a collaboration with Yves Saint Laurent and have them make her like, you know, some chic lunchboxes, you know, to match with some of her outfits. And now Sai will be able to take food with her everywhere she goes, you know, a little Lunchables, you know, one of those, you know, to-go charcuterie. Uh, packages, you know, some some chips, some crackers, maybe a Snapple, you know, Yves Saint Laurent, Saint Laurent, YSL, however you identify, you know, work it out. So then we move on to this next scene uh, and we have Jenna Lyons with her brother and uh, they take a walk to see the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center, um, something I've only done once in my life and we could not even get like I think it was one year when Mariah Carey was performing at the tree lighting ceremony ceremony and I don't know why me and my friends thought like we could get close enough because uh, we did not go until after school after work so there was probably 7 or 8 p.m and we could only get we could even get within a block of the situation that was happening with the tree lighting but listen to find out that Jenna Lyons was asked to revamp the retail options around Rockefeller Center, that is such a flex. 
Like, how do you, how how does that phone call come? Like, does the mayor of New York City call and be like, you know, I would like to speak to Jenna Lyons because we want to revamp Thirty Rock. Like, I, I want to know how that works, honestly, because it's it, it's a flex. And then Jenna opens up about feeling insecure about her body and wearing a bathing suit on this girl's trip due to her genetic disorder. And to me, what I find interesting about Jenna Lyons is that she feels like such a fish out of water on this show. It's almost like she's too big for the show, even though she's not like a major name. Like not everyone knew who Jenna Lyons was when she joined the show. We certainly know who she is now, and she definitely is an accomplished woman. But here we have Jenna Lyons, who is accomplished, well-connected, and well-known in the world of fashion. And she just so happens to be on the show called The Real Housewives of New York City, where she is navigating being friends with these women. Like, that to me is Jenna's character on this show. Her story arc is that, you know, someone who has been solo dolo, someone who is a mover and a shaker by herself now finds herself with a group of girlfriends and she doesn't necessarily know how to play by the rules or what the rules even are. So I think that's why I'm loving Jenna Lyons' season on The Real Housewives of New York City. But then we jump to Los Angeles, the city of angels, where we get to meet Daris, Bryn's older brother. And Bryn opens up about her fears about making or creating a family. Bryn says that she wants a family. Uh, maybe the marriage part is not for her. Uh, because, you know, if you watched last week and you saw that scene with Gideon where he was looking for a vintage car and they sat in a vintage Bentley uh, and, you know, Gideon just looks smitten with Bryn. And so then I determined that uh, Bryn is the runaway bride, as in, you know, Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, that movie, a great movie, by the way. Um, no offense to Bryn, but, you know, you've been engaged three times three times, yes, uh, but you have not been divorced three times, like uh, Bryn mentioned in the scene with her brother. Um, but like I was saying, uh, Bryn wants a family, maybe not the marriage part, maybe that's not for her, but she definitely wants the motherhood part. And I think Bryn needs to learn that, you know, she gets to create her own version of family. And that doesn't have to look like what she grew up with. That doesn't have to feel like what she grew up with. She can create her own rules, okay? She can create her new rules surrounding what her version of family looks like, whether it's her, a husband, a fiance, a partner, a sperm donor, her brother, whoever is in her brother's life. You know, you get to create the family that you want. That's your choice, Bryn, and you have that power. And I don't think that Bryn has yet realized that power that lies inside of her. You've created your own happiness, Bryn. It's time to create your own family. You just have to take the plunge. Take the plunge and believe that everything will work out. So then we move on to uh, Jenna and Aaron. Um, and Aaron goes to check in on Jenna after her dental surgery. Um, I have to say that this is the episode where I realize Aaron's shit stirring is become more is becoming more obvious to me. Uh, the first instance is of Aaron telling Jenna, "Well, did you hear what Brent said about you going to Anguilla two days early?" And I'm like, "Okay, Aaron, I, I see you. I'm peeping the game. I'm peeping the game." Then Jenna explains why she's going early, and it's because she feels uh, less self-conscious about showing her skin if she has a uh, if she has a tan. And honestly, that is a good enough excuse for me. Um, and then Jenna said that uh, she didn't want to fly coach to Anguilla. Um, and there was a business class seat available on the day she was going. And I also see no uh, issue with this. You know, according to all of the other ladies, they are part of a sorority. And if they are going on vacation together, they should fly together. And I guess that is the fun of a girl's trip. That is the fun of a boy's trip. But let's remember, Jenna Lyons is not used to girl's trip. 
And for her to feel comfortable on this trip, she needed she needed to go down two days early, sitting in business class, sitting in first class, whatever class, just not coach class. She needed to get her massage. She needed to get her sun-kissed skin so she can walk into this cash trip in Anguilla with the rest of these ladies with like a little woosah, a little, you know, better confidence for herself. I genuinely believe that that's all Jenna needed. But this turned into a whole nother situation that I will get into in a moment. So in this moment, Aaron plays a good friend. She's like, no way, girlfriend. Now, I want to come with you. I don't want to fly coach with the rest of these girls. But in Aaron's confessional, she's like, I'm shocked. This is the most diva thing Jenna Lyons has ever done. And honestly, I don't think she's being a diva. Everyone has their travel preferences. These just happen to be Jenna's. So then we move on uh, to this moment. Uh, I have to give an honorable mention to one of my favorite couples, and that is Jessel and Pavitt, uh, because, you know, they, I believe they're out to dinner and... Are they out to dinner? I can't remember. Uh, and Jessel and Pavit, uh, Pavit says that he needs to go on a trip to Vietnam uh, because, you know, he needs to redeem this ticket and he needs to u- use it ASAP. Um, Jessel, of course, makes sense to me, is questioning the hell out of Pavit, and I would too, because to me, it does not make sense, and I don't think it makes sense to anyone. Why would Pavit travel 20 hours for three days in Vietnam because he says he just needs some time to himself. He just needs a moment. Uh, you were in New York City, book you a cabin uh, in the Adirondacks, book a house in the Hamptons, go to New Jersey, uh, you know, go to Maine, go, go, go to the Berkshires, go to California, go to Miami, go to Montana. But Vietnam? Vietnam is a long way from home. And he tries to make a thing, well, you're going to Anguilla with your girlfriends. Why can't I go to Vietnam? But I'm like, Vietnam is a whole nother situation than Anguilla. That's a couple of hours flight. You are flying on the other side of the world, Pavit. Okay? Pavit, we don't... Listen, I don't know who or what is in Vietnam, but we're watching you. Don't mess with our girl Jessel. Because we will come for you in a non-violent kind of way, okay? Calm down, Bravo fans. Calm down. So then we get to the cash trip to Anguilla. I don't know if this whole time I've been pronouncing this country's name wrong. Shout out to Anguilla. Uh, So the rest of the ladies arrive in Anguilla because Jenna is already there. And I have to say that in this car ride to the house, I am Uba and Uba is me. Uh, because I'm very low maintenance when it comes to traveling with a group of friends. I don't mind sharing a room depending on who I share my room with as long as I have my own bed. And listen, I don't mind having a big comfy couch to myself. And I will also also bring my queen size blow up mattress. Because two years ago when I visited one of my good friends, Rico, in Brooklyn, you know, I was like, listen, I'm going to buy a blow up mattress Uh, I'm going to send it to your place via Amazon, and that is what I'm going to sleep in, in your apartment. It worked out perfectly. I couldn't fit the blow-up mattress um, in my luggage, so I said, here's my parting gift. And now other people that come to visit them can sleep on this, you know, this nice and tall and plush pillow top blow-up mattress. I don't have a deal with Amazon, but it's like, I think the brand is called King size or king brand, something like that. But I love that blow-up mattress. So then the ladies choose their rooms and get settled um, and leaves the worst room for Jenna. And I have to say, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it, even though I have uh, vehemently defended Jenna for going to Anguilla two days early and wanting to fly business class and not coach. I also understand the name of the game and the ladies being a little frustrated, they got to the villa first, so they will choose their rooms and they will leave, you know, some would say the worst room for Jenna. I'm not mad at it. 
So then the ladies congregate outside and Aaron chooses this moment to show who she is. And Aaron tells the ladies about visiting Jenna after her dental surgery and shares a tiny part, a smidget, about Jenna feeling insecure about her skin because that's the main reason why Jenna arrived early in Anguilla. But then Aaron makes it seem like Jenna confided in her in a way, and told her the real reason why she flew to Anguilla early is because she doesn't want to fly coach, which is not how she said it at all. But the way that Aaron sets this up and makes Jenna look like a diva, makes look Jenna look like an asshole, and it makes her look like an, a liar, okay? That's the truth. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm stumbling over my words, but I'm feeling very passionate about all of this right now. So then Aaron says in her confessional that she doesn't feel bad for telling them because Jenna said, you know, she never had to say anything. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Uh, Aaron says in her confessional that she doesn't feel bad for telling them because Jenna never said not to. Sorry. Brain fart. Stumped over my words. Um... <laughs> I'm like on a tangent and so like I'm also reading from my notes like I'm, I'm fully in uh, this situation right now and I kind of lost myself but you know I'm I'm gaining my barons back um, so then Jenna or I, I guess Aaron says in her confessional that Jenna doesn't know how to be open and honest uh, because she's new to having a group of girlfriends. And I'm like, so Aaron, this is what you do. You go and throw Jenna under the bus. And after she opened up to you about her insecurities from her genetic disorder in hopes of what? Making Jenna feel comfortable with being in a, a friend group of girls now? You think that this is what that's going to accomplish? You think that what, you're going to teach Jenna a lesson about being in a friend group? Like, I'm not understanding the motive here other than to turn the girls against Jenna. And then the ladies sit down for lunch at the villa and Sai had quite a food spread prepared for lunch. And so in this moment, I feel like Sai is saying like, you know, this is how you do a food spread, bitches. This is how you feed me. Um, <laughs> and then the ladies start talking about Jenna because they are waiting for Jenna's arrival. And I blame Erin for this because she planted the seed. And then Bren goes on to how she feels like Jenna is disingenuous with her gift giving and how Jenna doesn't open up about her personal life. And then, of course, Jenna arrives to the villa tanned, relaxed, and feeling good. But she has no clue. She has just stepped into the lion's den. But then Jenna comes in, she comes into the house, she greets everyone, gives the hugs and the kisses. And listen, in this moment, I can't be mad at Cy De Silva because Jenna, Jenna has not even sat down yet. And Cy is like, what's going on? How are you? <laughs> Why didn't you fly here with us, by the way? And then she was like, uh, and by the way, Aaron told us that you didn't want to fly with us because you you do not fly coach. You only fly first class. Okay. Sai came in ready for it. She was not playing games. And honestly, I appreciate Sai for this because I don't know if this conversation would have happened this soon if Sai didn't start it first. And then Jenna explains that she has scars on her skin and that she wanted to go to Miami around Christmas time, but her friend got a puppy so she couldn't go. Um, and then, you know, she said she got her mouth done after that. Uh, so there was no time left. Um, now, I can't say that this was a great explanation. I really can't. Jenna, I'm a little confused. Um, but Bren isn't having it. And Jenna's like, have you seen pictures of me on the red carpet showing skin? And Brenda's like, I don't look up pictures of you on the red carpet. <laughs> okay, Bren. See, that's that quick-witted. That's that quick wit right there. Bren was ready, clocked in for a comeback, okay? <laughs> and I love how Jenna was like, I, I know you've Googled me, and I know you know I don't show skin. That's what Jenna Lyons was saying. Google me, bitches. And then you'll see what I'm talking about. And then Jessel and Jenna have a chat 
after all, uh, after they all get ready to go to dinner and Jessel was pretty much like, you know, Jenna, how are you after what you just experienced? And Jenna like seems to be processing everything that just conspired upon her, her arrival uh, to the villa in Anguilla, <laughs> to the villa in Anguilla. Um, that rhymed. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Call me Dr. Seuss Jr. Um, but Jenna's response is like opposite of how a housewife would normally respond because Jenna, I feel, is processing, you know, that shakedown that she just experienced. And I feel like Jenna's a little bit more analytical and less emotional, like, you know, a real housewife would be. Uh, but I believe that Jenna peeps Bryn's game and Jenna's going to be ready to address it. And I can't wait to see how that all goes down on the next episode of The Real Housewives of New York. So <laughs> that was it for you guys. I want to say uh, thank you so much for the love, the support, the follows. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, uh, Amazon Music, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, your favorite shows, um, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. You can follow me at, at Bravo T with Jared B on Instagram, at Bravo T with JB on Twitter, at Bravo T with Jared B on TikTok. I'm also on Threads. Um, I hope you all enjoyed today's show. You know, tell your lovers, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell your aunts, uncles, your dogs, your cats, your pet turtle that you know of this new show called At Bravo T with Jared B. And you need to check it out because he breaks it down. He breaks it down and he gives you the Bravo T. I love you all for listening. I love you all for watching. Until next time, everyone. Peace out. Peace out. A-Town.